You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The U.S. 10-year on the march, commodities flying. While stocks hanging at the highs so far, what's going to give? Welcome back, Tony. Dash, good to see you, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Always good to have you here. So, Tony, what's going on? Man, what isn't going on right now? You know, this is, uh, I'm going to say the last week in February into this weekend was about the busiest I've been here at TG Macro, it's all been about you know being in touch with my clients and being in the mix on what is going on with the rate rise, right, Ash? Like last in the month of February, if we want to look at the month that we just ended up, yields went from 106 in the 10-year, let's call it, in tri- 10-year Treasury, to 1.41%. That was via tapping a high of 1.6% on February 25th, a day that I think will live in bond market infamy. Going forward, that was the day we saw that five sigma treasury sell off into the second to last day of the month. That to me was the exclamation point on the move that's saying that yields are stepping up to a next into their next yield regime. I feel like we're going to see yet 10 year yield in a one and a half, two percent range. And, you know, there is an entire set of collateral moves that we've got to follow in the markets now. Yeah. So, so I guess where, this is- where are we starting? <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. I guess this is the $64 billion question. What's driving these moves in rates? Yeah, the move in rates, I think, is a clear response to the fact that we are visibly seeing commodity inflation. I think that the move in rates is finally responding, Ash, to some of the data that we've highlighted on our show here. When we get together, we've spoken about ISM prices paid. All you know that that inflationary um, measure within the ISM PMI data, and just yesterday we hit ISM prices paid at 86. And I remember you and I were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, pointing to it up at 71, saying you know ISM prices paid is indicative of producers paying higher prices for commodities. This is inflationary, so something's got to give. What gave? The bond market gave and treasuries finally gave out and now we're seeing yields move higher. It feels very much like that was a pivotal move off of the lows in U.S. rates. It feels like we're responding to the commodity inflation we're seeing to some of the inflation in the data. And I think it's going to continue and it's going to have some really, really powerful effects on the rest of the markets. Yeah, this Atlanta Fed Nowcast report, GDP Now, out today, 10 percent. Uh, projected growth for uh, Q1 on an annualized basis. I mean, things are sizzling. We had a report on Friday, 10% increase in personal income. I mean, this is, these are numbers we have not seen in the United States uh, in my lifetime, I think. Very fair point. You know, the data is eye-popping that we're, you know, we're coming out of a trough, but now we're seeing, you know, the law of large numbers apply where you're like, whoa, 10%, you know, consumer spending is a big, personal spending is a big number. You know, the GDP growth is a big number and yields are now reflecting that accordingly. Right. You know, we've, we have seen, you know, most important to me, Ash, this is, you know, one of the key observations 
is that while yields were uh, rallying all month last month, every week of the month, in fact, the dollar was sort of, you know, quietly retracing higher, not really threatening the downtrend, but it was in retracement mode. And even though we had the dollar in retracement mode, commodities were up and sailing away. You know, and that's that's the the power curve of the commodity trade that we've been talking about and we've been looking for. And I'm going to say in a month where yields rise and the dollar doesn't go down, yet we see oil up 18 percent, gasoline up 25 percent, aluminum up 9 percent, copper up 15 percent, corn up 14 percent, iron ore up 16 percent. This is just in February. So sorry to bore you with a long list, but like this is the stuff that's jumping out at me saying, you know, TG, the dollar went down. All of these commodities proceeded to rally. Right. So that to me is a sign of really, really powerful strength in the sector that we're somewhat positioned for. And most importantly, Ash, technology has been giving up the ghost a little bit in, yeah. in the in the equity market. You know, one of the, the key thing to me was that last week in Feb. As we segue into our equity talk a little bit here, that last week in Feb, while yields were, you know, pounding in the new high for the move, what was getting killed? Technology. Solar stocks down 10% in the last week of the year I'm talking about in February. So, you know, they leveled off for the end of the year, at the end of the month. But February, we had the last week, um, solar stocks down 10%. Software down 7%, social media down 8%, internet down 6%. So to me, that was the technology market saying, you know, if anything is going to adjust abruptly to this rise in yields, it's going to be technology. And I think that's what we're seeing pan out on the screens a little bit today after we had that month beginning, first day of the month anomaly yesterday, where we had a lot of reasons to be bullish yesterday. We came out, we had Bitcoin had already bounced off its weekend lows. We had the S&P bounced off the 50-day moving average on month end last week. And so there were plenty of reasons to stay positive on the first day of the month. And today, I think, you know, like we said, I think the market's true colors are coming out and we're going to see a natural resources-led S&P while technology starts to pull back in line. That's what I think is going to happen over the next several months. Well, TG, first of all, you're always welcome to bore us with the list of things you got right because you've been bullish on commodities for a while. Uh, and it's been playing out that trade. As you allude to, uh, it's really interesting to watch this rotation uh, away from growth as interest rates start to rise. Unpack that a little bit for people who don't follow markets as closely as you do, because this is really the crucial factor that's happening right now in U.S. equity markets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ash. You know, we, what, what the market has been a function of has been massive amounts of liquidity, right, from the Federal Reserve from the treasury fiscal and monetary liquidity right that liquidity is finding its way into all of the highest flying performing sectors and spaces we can think of right we've seen it go rushing into bitcoin bitcoin has had astronomical returns in the last several weeks and months we've seen the money go flying into high flying technology and innovation stocks right into solar stocks into innovation stocks 
So those names are getting all the attention while all the liquidity is abundant because the market is giving them the benefit of the doubt that those companies are going to continue to be, you know, advancing technology and innovation. And so they afford them a higher multiple. And so for a while we had, you know, for example, energy stocks slogging along the bottom with no multiple at all to speak of and no buyers around to speak of. And the sector got left for dead. And since then, we've seen, you know, the biggest leads of the month in energy. Last month we had, you know, XLE was up 22 percent and airlines were up 22 percent while the technology subsectors were all scattered. You know, we had cyber technology, cybersecurity down six percent in February while semis were only up 6%. Software is up 1.5%. Internet's up 4%. Again, the commodity sectors, the airline sector, transportation, metals and mining, all of that outperformed technology in February. And I think that that is the sound of the interest rate move hitting the bow of the tech rally, which has been way out in front, as we know, which has been leading the S&P for years now. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to change, but the magnitude with which it is out in the lead is likely is likely to come back in line. So my big, you know, from the message that I got in February from the bond market, my big idea now is that the rotation is going to be much favor, much more favorable toward natural resources, oil, base metals, transports than it is to all of those sectors of technology, including biotech, including um, solar stocks, including Bitcoin, quite actually, because I kind of lump that into the same group. So I think the high flyers are going to struggle going down the ne- down the road the next couple of months, and we're going to see some really, really special moves in the technology and the natural resources sector that we've been looking for. Yeah, well, that's the gem with growth stocks, right? You do the DCF, just kind of cash flows, lower rates. You discount those future cash flows at lower values for that reason. Growth appears uh, to outperform. Uh, or in fact does outperform. And then eventually that trade unwinds as real growth begins to pick up in the economy, rates rise. Great point. That's another relationship that if you look at the chart of just S&P growth stock sector versus the S&P value sector, that's SPY G versus SPY V. Um, as we know, everybody's been complaining that the value trade is absolutely dead, you know, on its bum right now. But if you look at the relationship between growth and value, you can see the relationship changing with the rise in yields. So it's interesting, exactly as you say, those cash flows get discounted differently now with higher yields. Next thing you know, everybody has to look for the value story rather than chase the growth story, which is being fed by liquidity. Yeah. You know, that value trade has been on the back foot for a long time. And we've done uh, a, a number of, uh, you know, a number of shows here at Real Vision talking about when is that going to reverse? When is the rotation going to come? And it's it's flirted with us and then it's disappeared. Could this be the real deal? You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You know, Ash, it's a great point is that, you know, we've been lured into looking for a commodity rally before. We've been lured into looking for inflation before. We've been lured into looking for hyperinflation, you know, which now seems completely crazy. So I think it's fair to be skeptical. Um, It's fair to wonder if this is it. And I think that if we do our usual rigorous evidence-based 
study of the market, Ash, I think that we're going to say that this time is different, right? I'm going to I'm going to point directly back to that five sigma sell off in Treasuries on last uh, that happened last Thursday, and say that is the bond market shaking you and I up and telling us something is changing. Um, I'm going to say that the energy stocks, um, you know, outperforming technology sectors by two x is the market saying, guys, something is changing here. And I think the way, you know, even the way we are looking ahead towards some growth and we're looking ahead, though, with that growth, we're looking at structural deficits now in some of the commodity markets with some of the better growth aspects. So, you know, if we're going to go into this recovery, Ash, and be short copper, short iron ore and short oil in terms of having supply there when we need it, I mean, prices can go further vertical from here. You know, one of one of the charts that you that you uh, really want to treat yourself to is the BCOM or the GSCI divided by the S and P, right? That that's a a relationship that has gone nothing, nothing, nothing but lower, and now it's finally turning. And you know, when you look back at the relationship from commodities to stocks and where it's been now, commodities are the smallest weight of the S and P that they've ever been. That's likely to change as we come out of this into a big natural resources rally. Yeah. So you talked about the context. You've given us what's happening. How are you playing this? What's your positioning right now? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm actually taking, you know, I'm looking at a lot of relationships and pair trades for change, Ash. I'm usually like one way directional guy and, you know, just picking individual securities and sectors that I think are going to outperform, that have broken out, that have um, evidence based news behind them. And what I'm really trying to do is figure out, you know, where I need to be taking profit in some of these natural resources trades down the line so that I can, you know, pile into the next move from here. Now, you know, I'm still I still think that, you know, things like cannabis is going to outperform Bitcoin for the next 10 years from these levels, which is something that, you know, would get me laughed off of CNBC right now. And that's fine. <laughs> but. But, you know, I, I still feel like that sector is like, you know, a baby being birthed right before us that's going to mature really beautifully. Um, so I've got a close eye on that. I've still got a lot of weight in the energy sector. I've still got a lot of weight in the oil sector. And I'm finally, you know, I'm finally getting a little bit of beer muscles, taking some short shots at the technology sector since the timing to, the timing is finally proving that this might be where solar panels finally run out of energy. You know, it makes sense to me timing wise that as the fossil fuels come off of their bottom, that solar stocks would probably come off this insane peak that they carved going into the Biden administration, which makes perfect sense. And for markets, it would make perfect sense for that sector to have seen the highs as, you know, Joe Biden is being inaugurated on TV and we're talking about green energy plans coming down the road. So. You know, there's all kinds of opportunities in, in everywhere you look, Ash. And I think that's the important thing for a trader to focus on. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's you can pick your poison, whether your trade's going to be to stay long commodity trades, whether it's going to be to try to sell these high flying tech stocks on rallies, um, whether it's going to be to just, you know, focus down and find some gold stocks to shake out of this pullback that are going to eventually perform. You know, you can pick your trade right now and dial in on it and have some confidence that the world is playing out in a different form than it had been last year, which right. was just, you know, everything technology up and gone, everything natural resources, everything entertainment and retail buried. Right. right. So we've, we've still got to work our way out of that with higher yields. So I'm looking forward to a pretty volatile year this year. I really am. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. So much there. Hard to know where to begin. Uh, you know, solar stocks, I've always I've never understood the play except as a function of politics. Right. You know that when Democrats get into office, whether it's in the White House or they take control of Congress, you know that there's going to be money that's going to flow there. Beyond that, here's my insight. A hundred years from now, our great grandchildren are going to be getting much more energy from the sun than we are tomorrow. You and I are still going to be getting on a bus or in a car that drives on gasoline uh, and where that shift takes place, where it gets to the tipping point, where it becomes economically viable. I just have no idea. Exactly. I mean, that that is the fascinating part of the energy trade right now. Right. You know, we're, we're trying to go, you know, we're trying to get America from getting, you know, 96 percent of our energy from fossil fuels. We're trying to get that and we're trying to get that to carbon neutral. We're trying to get the 4% of energy that we get from wind and solar. We're trying to get that to a bigger number, right? And if you do some, if you do a little bit of homework, you'll learn pretty quickly that if we are even trying to expand those sectors of the energy market, solar and wind, we're going to be using a lot of commodities to do that, right? We're still going to be pulling a lot of copper, cobalt, lithium, aluminum. All of it has to come out of the ground. Right. None of it. None of it is coming out of the ground without, you know, operational machines running on fossil fuels. You know, so you have to start to discount where this trade is going. But the bottom line is it doesn't seem feasible for us. It, it, I'm not on the side of the World Economic Forum that has us going carbon neutral by 2030. Right. right. Like that j- just seems way too fast a pace. That seems like the U.N. 2030 pace. I don't think we can get anywhere near there. Maybe with some slower steps, we can get it. Let's just work on maybe getting it to 50-50 and maybe protecting the atmosphere a little more. That's what seems sensible to me. But like you said, that's more of a political trade. We're going to see how it pans out. But my my sense is fossil fuels are going to rise like the phoenix from here. Yeah. Look, 50-50 would be great. That would be incredible progress. It's just a question of when this becomes economically viable. This is about economics and physics, the amount of density per unit of mass that you can get out of the technology. And maybe we find ourselves in uh, 2021 or two or three, where there's a huge breakthrough uh, in solar, it becomes more efficient. God bless, that would be wonderful. But I just don't think it's going to happen this week, this month. No, I agree, especially when we've got Mother Nature, um, you know, in Texas, freezing the state over and basically telling us, be careful what you wish for coming off of carbon, you know, coming off of fossil fuels, because, you know, their system was unprepared. Um, You know, their system put too much weight on green energy and probably why their power system got totally overrun. So to me, that's the kind of thing that says, you know, let's take this slowly and understand what it potentially means if you're being powered by wind turbines and suddenly, you know, you have a seasonal change in temperature where the wind turbines are going to freeze and you didn't see that coming. Right. So if we can calculate, you know, global warming in the picture, we still have to calculate, you know, Mother Nature's uh, sort of tendency to bring the unforeseen and the unexpected and start thinking about it that way also. And I think that's what Texas was a great wake up call for that. And I hope that everyone's gotten their power back and, you know, temperatures have subsided toward normal. there. That'd be great. Yeah, of course, that's first and foremost. But listen, when it comes to uh, pointing uh, fingers down in Texas, you got a whole bunch of sides pointing them in different directions. I don't think we actually know uh, what the precise answer is yet. Natural gas 
freezing certainly played a role. That's fossil fuel. Probably to a lesser extent, some of the wind turbines freezing as well. A whole lot of different factors there. Look, solar and wind is coming. It is the future and we should all embrace it because it has the potential to make the U.S. energy independent, which is a good thing. Uh, it has the capacity uh, to reduce pollution that we don't need to have. It's just a question of how long it takes for the innovation to get to the place where it can start taking a larger role. And the answer to that right now is it's not today and we don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's in the next five years. That would be fantastic. It's just a very difficult play to make when you're an investor. Yeah. It is. It's impossible to know when. It's impossible to know how this whole thing shakes out. That's part of the excitement of the energy trade. I think, you know, when we think of it in terms of when these utilities, Ash, are going to go to get their last resort power, like you said, it's still going to be natural gas right now. It's still going to be coal and it's still going to be the regular generation of electricity, especially in the point of an emergency. You, you know, you just alluded to the, the, to the physics of it, and I don't have the paper in front of me, but, you know, if you consider how much energy comes out of one barrel of, of crude oil, yeah. you, know, you cannot create the same amount of energy with the same sized battery, for example. Right. So, you know, we, we have to just consider the efficiency of, of crude oil and natural gas and not let that get out of the picture. That's, I think, yeah. the most important thing. Yeah, a lot of important things to focus on, and it's about the science and the physics. Look, here we are in 2021, a lot of people fixating on whether you vote for the person that's got a D after their name or an R. We don't do that here. We're looking at markets, we're looking at reality, uh, and we're looking at where things get priced by investors. That's right. And we're seeing, you know, this is the power curve where, you know, Goldman Sachs came out and they were bullish commodities, save gold. Um, this week. And, you know, you're starting to see that investment filter out into the markets. We've still got metals and mining on a tear, XLE energy stocks on a tear, oil services coming back to life, literally rising from the, you know, the ashes where they were worth, you know, single digit multiples and coming back to life. So uh, like you say, this is very much a trade that's in motion. We haven't reached its final destination at all. Hey, let's pick up on another trade that you were talking about earlier, which is cannabis. You know, it's interesting to me, Virginia uh, just uh, voted to legalize in the legislature. Uh, New Jersey is now legalizing. When I look at this, this looks like a fait accompli. This looks like it's just a done deal. It's a question of time. It's a question of sequencing. It's hard to see the genie ever going back into the bottle on cannabis, only forward. That's right, man. You know, and we're following our friend, the Todd father, Todd Harrison, who has, you know, warned us about this domino effect of states going legal one after the next. You just nailed it with Virginia. We just saw um, New Jersey, you know, pull the plug a couple of weeks ago. And so this is just it's a question. This is more a question of when, not how this all pans right. out to me as well. You know, once it once it becomes, you know, it, my my reason for saying that I believe cannabis is going to outperform Bitcoin for the t next ten years is no, I'm that I'm not I, touching that one. I'm not. No, touching. no, no, no. I know. I know. This is going to get the comment section set to flames, right? <laughs> but that, but that's fine because that's what you know. That'll be provocative, and you know, maybe I'll be right, maybe I'll be wrong, but I will have made money either way. That's what's important to me. So. <laughs> The, um, you know, with the cannabis trade, it's more like I feel like within what do you think in the next five years that it will be simpler for one of us to walk into a uh, CVS and buy, you know, various cream or, you know, smokable cannabis product or THC product or that we'll go in and pay for that with uh, cryptocurrency? 
You know what I mean? Like, I think there's more chances that, you know, the cannabis is much more popular on the uptake in terms of use. I think it'll be easier for that to become ubiquitous before people will start using cryptocurrency. I just think that way, you know, and I could be wrong and Bitcoin may go off to a million dollars like all the coiners hope it does. But right. it just doesn't seem to me like in history we've, um, you know, written this program that anybody can jump on the magic carpet and go get rich and ride that to prosperity. That doesn't seem likely to me. But what do I know? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, that's very well said. Look, here's the counter argument. Uh, it goes like this. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mainstream consumer technology uh, for it to continue to go on a tear. It could be a back end piece of infrastructure that develops. Obviously, uh, cannabis is going to be a lot more popular uh, in terms of consumers uh, than it will be to want to go into a CVS and pay uh, with Bitcoin. But it's really tough to, to handicap what that trajectory looks like in terms of adoption. It's clearly happening right now on the back end. But to your point, uh, cannabis, this just seems like it's a it's just a one direction trade, right? I mean, it's hard to see. Individual stocks may vary. Um, but it's just hard to see how the, the big strategic picture changes. I don't think there's going to be a backlash. Nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and hear that, uh, that states are voting uh, to make uh, cannabis punishable by 10 years in prison. It's just right. not that, that direction. That, that, that's a great point. It, it seems totally irreversible and only like it's going to pick up momentum, right? I can't see it going too much of another way. So, so how do you, you position? Know, Who are the leaders in the space? I'm sticking with the U.S. multi-state operators, Ash. You know, we, we've discussed them and their charts are still, you know, trending on the same trend lines higher that they've been since we started discussing them. You know, right. if you want to go into the, the potential big five, we've got Terrasend, TrueLeave, um, Green Thumb, CuraLeaf and Cresco Labs. Right. I, those are the big five that I've been watching. Those are the big five that continue to put up headlines. You know, a lot of them are pulling down over $100 million in earnings from their dispensaries and operations now. So they're they're pulling in some cash. They're, you know, looking still to get access to the capital markets, which happens once we pass the federal legalized safe banking act. That's just another positive, um, right. you know, a positive uh, data point out on the calendar that's coming you know, more adoption, more states legalizing is just more positive data points out on the calendar. So right. I guess maybe maybe when we legalize in the 50th state, that that's the sell the fact part of the trade. And that's something definitely that we have to keep our eyes out for because it will play out that way that everybody's going to be investing in cannabis looking for the highs. And maybe there'll be a pullback from some crazy level that we trade up into. But there is there's so much excitement in the space with people that you talk about. There are more deals coming public more IPOs on the tape coming out. And you know, to me, this is just a really clean, fresh, readable, observable bull market. Yeah. You know, it's it's a new product, it's a new ethos, it's a new uh, market in terms of following the stocks, the companies, the CEOs, their personalities. And I just enjoy studying it from afar because it's something we can look at that says, you know, hey, this looks like, um, you know, when the home builder trade took off, when yields started finally backing off and everybody started, you know, moving, you know, moving out into suburbs. These are the things that we like to observe and say, and look, the sector is going batshit crazy. You know, we know how to respond to that type of trade. 
cannabis is the same thing, man. You know, yeah. pick a day, pick a day when it's red, close your eyes and buy it. And more times than not, you'll be rewarded in a couple of weeks because that's the kind of, of, of price action we've got in the sector right now. Yeah. Again, I don't follow the names. I'm not following the valuations, uh, but it just seems like it's a one way trade in terms of the cultural trajectory of adoption. Great point. That's what we're looking at, man. There's there's nothing but good news out on the on the horizon. I mean, if you had to make up a landmine for the cannabis sector, I don't even know what it would be. You right. know, maybe 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 company maybe one of the companies shows up and they've got tremendous fraud on their books or something like that. But you know, other than something dishonest, and I don't think that would derail the industry either. Right. I mean, it's blue sky trading. It's blue yeah. sky trading. I guess it could be potential contamination issue uh, with one of the companies, but that would seem to be time limited and space limited, uh, and maybe potential negative uh, medical data. But beyond that, uh, it really does seem. Look, this isn't something that we're going to find out something dramatically different about uh, in terms of health risks. It's something that. Um, that uh, our parents and grandparents had a little bit of experimentation with, and uh, I just don't see it. I just don't see it going away. Let me throw out a wild card for you, Tony. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting, and I would love to do a show on Real Vision about it at some point, is the next horizon beyond cannabis, the psychedelic stocks. This <sighs> is such an interesting space. If you read some of the, the very early preliminary uh, medical data. Uh, they're giving these uh, medications, things like MDMA, uh, which we used to call ecstasy back in the day, uh, to people who, uh, to combat veterans who experience post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of them are showing some extraordinary results, positive results. These are guys and gals who had been on, uh, you know, 20 different medications uh, and they do four or five psychedelic guided therapy sessions and they see improvements in symptoms. It's very early. The data is thin, but some of the things that I've been reading are extraordinary. It sounds like an amazing frontier industry that would probably be really exciting to follow as a sort of sidecar to cannabis. You know, I guess I'd fear about how big that market could get. You know, it doesn't sound like something that would be a multi-trillion dollar market, but, you know, who knows how, you know, if it's helping veterans, if it helps, uh, you know, people with PTSD, then, yeah. you know, then, then it certainly feels like, if anything, you know, we've culturally ripped the Band-Aid off in terms yeah. of, you know, the, the social stigma to that, that class of drugs. Eventually, that's going to filter down to the FDA, which will remove them off of the risky drug um, scheduling. And, you know, like you said, we'll, we'll start working them into society wherever they seem to fit. So that, that sector, I mean, I wouldn't fade it with your money, Ash. Yeah. And listen, by the way, to your point, that also sounds like it's going to be a really long process, sorting that out and understanding where the guardrails are, where the risks are, where the opportunities are, and where people can benefit. Yeah, great point. Great point. That one's there's a little bit of stickiness there. It probably takes a lot of study along the way. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how it pans out, but it could be an interesting market. You never know. Yeah, as you said, frontier market, bleeding edge. So, Tony, as we come close to the end here, final thoughts on what you're going to be looking for for the remainder of the week. Well, you know, the bond market has come off what could be a generational peak if you take a really big step back from the charts. So the first thing I, I want to see is where the move shakes out. You know, I don't know that the rate rise is definitely over yet just because, you know, we had that huge bomb on, on Thursday of last week and yields ended higher. Now, I don't know if that, you know, what I want to be on guard for is the sort of uh, the pace of the move and to see if it's over yet. If we still see yields rising into this week and next week without a pullback, 
you know, that's going to give me even more confidence that this inflation trade is really going to kick into speed. It would probably cause me to upsize commodities more and want to be even shorter tech. Um, you know, if yields sort of stop around this range, then that rotation will take a little bit longer. But I feel like the higher yields go, the more pressure it puts on, you know, that growth versus value trade and a lot of the other relationships underneath that we've been talking about technology versus metals and mining, S&P versus technology. So I'm, I'm really right now I'm keyed on the rate of the rate rise and how fast these underlying relationships are changing. I think that's going to be the, t the the key to figuring out the last three quarters of this year. And, you know, I'm excited. I do a lot of observing in March because I like to close the books on, a on the first quarter because I feel like if you sit there and, you know, keep your powder really dry for the first three months of the year and, and, and let a lot of Wall Street bets guys make their move and a lot of portfolio managers make their move, you can see what's going to shake out for the rest of the year if you just – pay closer attention to the first couple months. So I feel like we've got a beat on what's happening this year. And I'd like to see it follow through this way where we see yields continue to rise. Yeah. Commodities continue to rise. The S and P continue to rise with changing leadership. I'd love to see leadership go from, you know, technology stocks to natural gas stocks. I mean, natural resources stocks for the next 10 years. I don't think that's something that's out of the question. I really don't. Yeah. And that really is the central story right now in markets is rates and the rotation trade. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You can't get behind the eight ball now if you're if you're still going with the same, you know, equity tricks that you were going with during the lockdown, that game's over. If you're going with the same equity tricks you were going with when we came out with the first vaccine, I feel like that trade is over now. So now we're looking at what the uh, you know, what the bond market is going to dictate to right. us in terms of the equity market. And like I said, I mean, you know, everybody heard that shot around the world last week with the five sigma sell-off in treasuries, that is not going to pan out through the markets in two or three days. That move is gonna take two or three weeks. So yeah. we're doing a lot of observing this week. We're doing a lot of observing into next week. And you know, like I said, I feel like by the time we cut to the edge of March, we're gonna have a pretty clear path on the Federal Reserve, on yields, on commodities, and that relationship between the high flyers and the natural resources stocks. That's my wrap. Yeah, either way, it sure looks like we're playing a new ball game now. Tony, before we wrap for the day, I want to put you on the spot here, man. When are we getting you on Clubhouse? Oh, dude, I don't know if I can go on Clubhouse. I mean, if that's going to be just a verbal form of Twitter, I mean, they'll rip my <laughs> arms off. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, Listen, I don't know. It's, I've got a theory here, man. I think that Clubhouse is the perfect TG medium. I think you're going to have a blast. If there's no Anons in there, I would consider it. You know what I mean? If you have to put like your face and a social security number in there to be on Clubhouse, <laughs> I'd be all for it. But if Joey Bag of Donuts with laser eyes is on there picking me apart, man, I'll take a pass. <laughs> all right. You know? I'm going to keep working on this, Tony. I'm going to get you on yet. We'll consider it. Let's have a private conversation, Ash. All right. We'll get, see if we can get there. <laughs> all right, Tony. Thanks for joining us once again. It's great to be here, Ash. Thank you very much for having me. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.